You are listening to One Love Podcast. Wake up with a smile with your host, Disco. Oh, you know what time it is. It's your 30-second wake-up call. That's right, time to rise and shine. It's a new day, but the love stays the same. Wake up, guys. Wake up. Yes. Good morning, Toronto. And good day, the rest of the world. I'm so happy to be in your ears right now. You are listening to One Love Podcast, and this is Espresso with Love, where we hope to jumpstart your day with a little energy, a little fun, and a lot of love. How is everyone feeling this morning? Amazing! Happy Friday, everybody. Hope everyone had a wonderful day yesterday. Because, like, so many things happened across our beautiful city. It started off with the the mayor and chief of police partaking in a joint press conference where they had notified the public that they have been able to secure $15 million towards measures. uh, $15 million of funding, really, towards measures to help with the recent uprising gun violence. $3 million of that is going to pay officers overtime wages so that we can get more officers on the ground between the hours of 7 p.m. and 3 a.m., which uh, when a majority of these crimes do take place. Then, randomly, a tweet was sent out by Toronto Police that said, We are responding to an unconfirmed, uncorroborated piece of information relating to the GTA. As a result of this, you will see an increased number of police officers throughout the city and specifically in the downtown core. Then almost at almost every major tourist attraction, like everywhere downtown from uh, the Rogers Center, Ripley's uh, Aquarium to the CN Tower, all the way up to um, Canada's Wonderland and Vaughn, you saw police officers by the dozen. We have never, in my lifetime, had all these different jurisdictions conduct any type of collaborative effort like to this magnitude. And the weird part of it all was nobody actually knew why it was happening. And I'm not upset about that as I'm confident they didn't want people to overreact to the situation. It's just selfishly... I wish I knew what was going on at that time, but thank God nothing bad happened yesterday. So, you know, I had planned for today to be a very special episode. And guys, today is a very special episode on Espresso with Love right here on One Love Podcast because I get to share with you guys a real interview with a real incredible human being that founded a cause to help real people in our community. Mr. Louis March is the founder of the Zero Gun Violence Movement in Toronto, and simply put, they believe, and I believe, with the effective education and support, we can start to change the culture around guns, gangs, and the violence relating to it. Now, I can't lie, it was such an honor, and I wish you guys could have actually been there to witness it, and I know that I did stream it live on Instagram, Um, I also know it wasn't as loud, but for now, I just want you to sit back, relax, and take a listen to someone who has devoted a lot of their time and now life to supporting their community. Mr. Louis March, it was awesome. Thank you. For everyone who is watching, uh, I would like to introduce Mr. Louis March, founder of the Zero Gun Violence Movement in Toronto. Uh, Mr. March, thank you so much for being part of the show. I sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. And um, before we get into the actual issues here, I would love it if you could just spend a few minutes and uh, tell our audience a little bit about uh, ZBGM, uh, Zero Gun Violence Movement, what it is and how it came to be. Uh, Zero Gun Violence Movement uh, was a response to uh, the shooting at the center dancing when we realized that gun violence was taken on a different a different form that we were used to. Uh, we were used to fighting against police brutality where the police were pointing the guns at us. Uh, after Danzig and after Eaton Center 
realized that we stand at the point of guns at ourselves. And uh, I'm from the corporate world. Uh, I'm an operations manager. I had just been laid off. My department had been outsourced to India. And I had an opportunity to reevaluate what my future would look like. Mm -hmm. And it was at this time that the shootings were beginning to pick up. And I said, maybe I should be in this space. So I called a community meeting with a lot of community organizations and uh, that worked specifically with youth. And I said, tell me, you know, what has changed? What's going on? Uh, and why is it taking on this new life, this new form? And because I'm from the corporate world, everything I do is management by objectives. I said, what's the objective here? And I said, zero gun violence. And people thought it was crazy. They thought it was impossible to get zero gun violence in the city of Toronto. But for me, you state the objective, you get people to buy into it, and then you work towards achieving it. But when I said zero gun violence, it didn't resonate with the audience at the meeting. Sure. Because they thought it was impossible. So my response was, well, I'm not sure why it's not resonating with you, because we already have it. We already have zero gun violence in the city of Toronto. But it's only in certain communities for certain people. Sure. So if you tell me that's impossible, you're telling me that we have to accept the status quo, where zero gun violence it's okay for a certain community and certain people, but in another community, it's not acceptable. So I said, that's why we're gonna do this work. So we started off with a 90-day summer campaign to work towards it, but after we started doing it and working across the city of Toronto, we realized that this is, just cannot stop, it has to continue. Because what we were seeing was not what we wanted to see, but what we were seeing was also uh, impetus to continue the work, realizing that it didn't have to be this way. Zero gun violence movement is achievable if people buy into it. We still have not gotten people to buy into it fully, but we're changing the narrative about gun violence. And uh, five years later, uh, we're still going strong. You know, and um, that, it's incredible how long it's lasted, and obviously that makes me so happy. With that being said, we know that uh, Toronto went through a certain time, like you just explained, where the gun violence was really high. It seemed like it, it quieted down a little bit. Um, and unless you've been living under a rock, you know that this year we've basically doubled where we were at the same time last year when it comes to gun violence. The politicians say that, literally our new premier said last week that the police are the experts when it comes to the situation. Um, the police on, on what's been reported on the news have said that they're, they're handicapped, like their hands are tied in terms of the resources and the tools that they need apparently to deal with the solution. So let's just get into it. How do we solve this problem? Is there, like, you 100% believe in zero gun violence movement. How do we get there? It's not easy, uh, especially when certain people benefit from the violence and certain people are losers from it. It's winners and losers of gun violence, okay. right? Uh, the politicians think that gun violence, because of the complicated nature of solving it, is political kryptonite. They'd rather deal with potholes or bike lanes and stuff because it's safe. They're going to get political currency from it. Dealing with gun violence is not easy because you have to go beyond the roots of the violence to the seeds. Where does it really start? Right? Because sometimes when you get to the roots of the violence, it's already too late. Right? Where is it really starting? And who's willing to invest the courage uh, and knowledge to deal with it? And politicians are not going to get political currency from dealing with this, right? I'd rather do the potholes. I'd rather do the bike lanes. I'd rather do everything else because I'm going to get political votes from. So that's the first problem with the gun violence. In 2005, when we had the year of the gun, we had uh, 52 homicides due to gun violence, and that was the year of the gun. We made a trip to Ottawa the city prime minister at the time to say, start investing in youth. Start investing in programs again for young people to keep them engaged, right? Invest in jobs, invest in community development, because we saw where the violence was taking place, that it was underinvested, right? Yes. Uh, from 2005 to 2013, we saw a dramatic decrease in gun violence, incidents and homicides. It went from 52 in 2005 to 22 in 2013. That's a significant reduction because that investment was taking place. But then all of a sudden, in 2014, we started seeing an upward kick 
right? And by 2017, we have seen a 100% increase in homicides. It went from 22 to 41 in that three-year span. So we started taking a look and seeing what had changed. Mm -hmm. And we saw some fundamental changes taking place that nobody was talking about or nobody wanted to talk about. And those fundamental changes are significant. Uh, it started with access to guns. Okay. In 2005, there used to be one in two guns in a community that used to be shared, borrowed, or rented. Okay. So if you wanted a gun for an hour, there was a, a, a dollar amount on that. It, it was sophisticated. It was very simplistic, but also complicated, but it worked. People, yeah, people knew where to go get a gun, right? Uh, so what we notice now is that instead of one and two guns in a community, everybody had their one to two guns. So access to guns. We also notice the caliber of the guns. Instead of a small handgun, it was now a semi-automatic. So we see these changes take place. We saw the age of the people using the guns had also declined from in the 20s to the teens. Right? So these are the changes that we're seeing. And not only that, we also saw other additional changes in that uh, the brazen nature of the shootings. Yes. Right? There used to be codes yes. in gun violence. This is not what you do. You do not shoot at innocence. You do not go to the sure. public. Like if we saw the, Eden, the shooting at Eden Center, that was a one-off. Yes. Right? Uh, now we're seeing shootings in playgrounds. We're seeing in parking lots in broad daylight. Right, with a lot of innocence around. So we see this change taking place. And then not only that, how it was empowered and emboldened by social media. In 2005, we didn't have to deal with that. It's true. So now it, we don't even call it social media anymore. We call it forever media. Yeah. Basically, like you can put messages out there to threaten, to celebrate, to intimidate, to disrespect. And that message, you can't draw it back. Right? Mm -hmm. And you can hit a thousand views or likes instantly. instantly, right? So now people have to respond. You don't disrespect somebody in this media form and expect that there's not going to be a retaliation. So we saw these changes taking place. So in 2017, we said, politicians, you need to get ahead of this. This is getting out of control. And again, the politician turned a blind eye. Right? Uh, the only political agency or group that did something was the federal government okay. that convened a forum and they announced $328 million that they were going to invest from the federal level in anti-gun and anti-gun activity. But the federal level deals with the gun supply problem, the guns sure. coming across the border, right? But this is not going to solve the problem because two years ago, the chief of police in Toronto announced that when they saw crime where there was guns involved, 50% of those guns were coming from Canada, not coming from the States. Yeah, I heard that too. Right? So basically somebody with a legitimate permit or license could go and buy multiple guns, but there was no review. There was no, uh, what, what are you doing with these guns? Yeah, no, what's right? happening? So a lot of these guns now were showing up at crime scenes. So the police now would talk about the straw purchase, which is basically, if Disco mm -hmm. has a clean record, clean reputation, and could apply for a permit, a gang leader would hire you to go and buy guns on their behalf. And those guns were shown up at gun scene. So we've seen all of this taking place, and we're not seeing a response. By any. So the federal government did that. John Tory, the mayor of Toronto, was at that forum where it was announced, right? And he was looking for handouts for Toronto. But John Tory has not done anything about this issue, except running around the city claiming that it's safe. Yeah. And we kept saying, when you say it's safe, please distinguish between which part of the city you're talking about. Because yes, it's safe in uh, in Rosedale, but is it safe in Rexdale? Yeah. Yes, it's safe in Hyde Park, but is it safe in Regent Park? Let's be honest, yeah. right? So as a politician, he was deflecting the issue to the federal government's mandate, which is the gun supply, the guns coming across the border and stuff and ignoring his responsibility, which is the social economic conditions of poverty, unemployment, lack of education, uh, mental health, drug addiction. He was not addressing that issue. Typical politician, let's talk about your part of the problem. 
let's ignore my piece. Sure. And while he's doing that, the gap is increasing, the poverty gap is increasing, the gun violence numbers are increasing, and now they're becoming more brazen, right? Where we have a shooting in a playground with 11 children at play, right? For us, not a surprise, because the writing was on the wall. Yeah. The numbers were speaking to that. What was a surprise was a lack of resolve by the political leadership to acknowledge the severity of the problem and their willingness to address it. That was a surprise to us. So for us, in 2018, June, yes, we've seen it spill over into public spaces that are supposed to be safe. Yeah. We had a shooting at Young and Dundas. Yeah. We have a shooting in Yorkville in broad daylight. Queen we Street. We had a playground, yeah. Queen Street, yeah. right? King Street. Yeah. So we're seeing that now, everybody's all excited, right? But look at the last two, three years where we saw that trend changing and look at the resolve or the, the response by the political leaders, which was zero. And it's crazy because in the past few years, crime has gone down. Not only in the past, in, over the last 25 years, crime rates in all other areas has decreased, but right? But gun violence, gun violence has gone up. Has gone up, right? So someone has to take a look and see what has changed. So I've told you the, the five characters that we've seen. The politicians are saying, well, <clears throat> we're going to add more police. We're going to put 200 more boots on the ground. Yep. And we're going to throw the thugs in jail. If you could have done that before, you would have done it. Yeah. Right? So stop telling me the strategies that you would have used 10, 15, 20 years ago that you're going to apply today. It shows a total lack of understanding of what is going on. It's a one-dimensional response to a problem that is 10-dimensional. Of course. Like that, that is asinine. And uh, we have to hold these politicians accountable for allowing this to get to the point where it is. Stop fooling the people. Stop playing games. These kids are getting smarter. And yeah. smarter than you as police and as politicians and as media. They, they, they will do a shooting in broad daylight knowing yeah. that they've got a plan how to escape, how to camouflage themselves, and how to silence communities so nobody wants to know. They are doing that. Uh, what is the police response? Like, I'm going to put 200 extra boots on, on the street? You've got to be joking, right? Stop playing us. Like, our community is crying. Our, our city, it, it, there's blood running in the streets now, right? We had the one just on Queen Street right in front of, right? These kids don't care, right? So you better sit down, Mr. Politician, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Premier, Mr. Prime Minister, yeah. and realize that this is not going away by ignoring it. If you want another Chicago situation here, if you want if you want what's going on in America happening here, you're on that path right now. So that's exactly what I was going to say is, you know, I'm reading these stories every single day and, and it got to a point where I was like, whoa, I think I've read this story way too many times this year and that's why it drew big interest to myself and mm -hmm. in, in pursuing this. and. Um, that's exactly it. It's like, you know, I know this is not my Toronto. I, I want to say that, you know, but maybe I'm just being ignorant of the fact mm -hmm. of what's been happening the whole time. I've been here since I was three months old. Um, and all it does is draw similarities to those places in the States. And the reason why I'm coming out right now and asking these questions is because I totally believe that these kids are way smarter and have way more guts or way more balls because I can think of <laughs> when I was a kid, half the stuff I would do, I look back now and I'm like, I would never do that. When I was a kid, I had no fear. So now we have people with no fear, and they have access, way more access than they've ever had, exactly. to exactly. weapons that can that are, that are literally lethal. Like this isn't Call of Duty, this isn't a video game, this is real life. And I think a lot of them are seeing it as a video game where they can start and end. I know. It's not the case. It's not the case. Uh, the last words that uh, the one of the guys are not shouting Kutu, I do not want to die. So all that revival, Right, disappears when you realize what's about to happen. Right? Somebody was 20 years old the other day and I said, happy birthday to him. He said, Louie, I didn't think I was gonna make it. They've given up on life. They've given up on life, they're literally still in diapers. They have not experienced life yet and they've given up on it. So what has happened, right? And how do we fix this moving forward? Because zero gun violence movement, we're about education and awareness about the issue of gun violence. We don't trust the narrative by the politician. We don't trust the media's narrative, and we do not trust the politicians' narrative or the police's narrative. Yes, it's very simplistic, very uh, one-dimensional, and it's not complete. And I understand why they do that. Uh, so we're trying to 
bring the whole issue of gun violence, talking about it in its complexity and its magnitude. That's what we're trying to do. We're also trying to, uh, not trying to, we are advocating for changing how government uh, implements policy, funding decisions, yes. because they are the ones that we entrust to keep our country safe, our cities safe, and our communities safe. So we're advocating and saying, hold on a second, you're not doing the right thing here, you're not spending the money right, your programs are not serving the right population. And then the last piece is engagement. We engage the people that are responsible for the crime. We work with the people that have done the crime, done their time. We'll work with them because they want to make a difference. And we also work with the victims of the crime. So before the action, mm -hmm. after the action. So when we sit down at the table with people associated from Zero Gun Violence Movement, most of them have been involved in some way, shape, or form. Right? So I'm, I'm going to trust their narrative of what's going on rather than what the mayor of Toronto is going to say from his whatever, whatever. And, you know, I'll just throw this out there so yeah. we can at least just squash it. But, you know, stuff like carding. Stuff like the, the, the Travis unit that they had. Uh, Travis. Travis, sorry, Travis unit they had a, a few years ago. Obviously, we're, we're going to assume that these are not solutions or if anything, maybe it's adding more fear? I don't know. It's very simplistic and it's very uh, reactive to a tough on crime, public safety issue that everybody has. Wow. We, we need to do something, so we're going to put uh, Travis back in. We're going to bring 200 extra. We're going to do this. If this was a solution, they would have done it already. They've not acknowledged the, 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 what has changed and how they can respond to it, right? Because they have new tools in the toolkit that they can use that they're not using. They're still playing the same cards that they played 10, 15, 20 years ago. Because if public perception, the public knows in fear, right? That's true. The, 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 the tiger is out of the bag now. Yeah. Not the cat is out of the bag. The tiger, tiger. Yeah. is out of the bag right now. And people walking down the street now, looking over their backs. Or they're not going out on the streets. This is summer. This is Toronto. That's this is exactly. when everybody comes out on the streets and feels good. Right enough? But now, there's an uncertainty. Should I go? What could happen? So they have to come up with something. A response to say, no, we've got this under control. No, you don't. No. Because we had two more shootings last night. And keep in mind that the shootings that they report is nothing compared to the shootings that take place. That's we know that, that there are shootings taking place in communities, uh, and they're not even calling the police. The police know that. I know that. The politicians know that. Uh, I was with uh, one mother the other day. I wanted to come into the work with. She says that she's got three sons. She will not allow her sons to take garbage out at night because she's in fear that there could be a drive-by and somebody might take shots and they might be hit. they might get hit. Yeah. This is Toronto, this is 2018, yeah, yeah. right? This is going on and nobody's talking about it. And we raised the flag years ago and we said, why is no one talking about what's happening with gun violence? And we had a typical response, of Toronto is safe. And you've, and you've uh, pointed out some of the changes that have happened over the past few years in regards to um, access to guns and whatnot, access to social media, um, different ways that could trigger or initiate, I guess, um, more courage out of these kids to go out and do what they're doing. So, I don't live in the communities in which this these violence take place or occurs or whatnot. What can I do as just a member of society, or can I even do anything just as a regular member of society to make any type of difference or any type of impact? If I agree with you, if I'm on your side, I'm not on the politician side, I'm not on the police side, I have nothing against them, I just don't think they have the answers to solve this problem. So I wanna take initiative as a Torontonian, as a Canadian citizen, and as just a citizen of the planet, in helping out my fellow brothers and sisters. What can I be doing either on a daily basis, weekly basis, whatever the case is, what can I be doing to contribute to help stop this? Because I have to assume that this is not just a problem in Toronto, and this type of problem, if I don't think anyone has ever found the actual solution on this planet, because then we would just look at that and try to see how it can work in, in our city, for example. So what is it that we can do as regular, everyday people that can make some form of difference or impact that can lead to a change that we don't have to always worry about politicians or police making, making that difference? It's a big question, but it's not as difficult as it seems. Uh, the first word in community safety is community. We have to invest in communities 
And if you invest in communities with jobs and uh, with opportunity, a reason to live, not a reason to die, right? Sure. Uh, that narrative, we need to tell that narrative. We used, we need to use the same tools that they're using for violence. We need to flip it. Yeah. So what you're doing right now is a yeah. critical piece, right? In terms of bringing some awareness uh, to what's really going on. Uh, different from what the politicians would say or the police would say. Education and awareness. What can the individual person hold your politician accountable? We have municipal, we have provincial, we have federal people representing you in the community. A lot of people didn't want to talk about gun violence before. Now I want them to talk about it. So when they come knocking on your door, when they're asking for your vote, say, what are you doing to make my community safe, right? True. And it's not only my community, my city safe, right? So hold your, use social media, yeah. hold your politicians accountable. Let them speak about this issue. Yesterday alone, we were in the city of Holland, we spoke to one of the city councilors. So we see that people are concerned. Now we need to bring them together for collective impact. We're not gonna accept this anymore. Just like how a priority for you is fixing the potholes and fixing the, 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 the bike lanes. I want the politicians to see this as a priority. Right now, it's not a priority to them, right? Yeah. Uh, they want to run and hide from this as far away as they can get. No, we need to bring, and that is where the public can get involved, right? And it's also something simple. Nobody is born with a gun in their hand. What are the, what are the conditions, what are the circumstances that leads to somebody becoming a gang member? That's, that's huge, yeah. right? What, 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 what causes them? And then we've got to uncause it. We've got to fix that, right? Because we know the communities. We know that the majority of the shooting take place in the community housing areas. What are the conditions there? It's poverty, unemployment, lack of education, mental health, drugs, gangs, and so on. We know what it is, right? So why don't we have massive intervention strategies where we go into these communities and supply the resources and supports necessary to break the cycle of violence? Is the political people gonna do it? No. But if we hold them accountable and say, this is what needs to be done so I can feel safe walking on Harbor Front in the summer or walking along Young Street in the summer and not have to worry, like in a wiener, one of our associates was on Queen Street when the shooting took place. He was just having a drink, he was waiting for the menu to come. He, he heard the first gunshot, he thought it was a firecracker. He thought it was, because it was scandal. Yes. So when he saw it, when he heard it, uh, he realized that it was gun. So he ran into the restaurant for cover, right? Uh, this is a big grown man, right? You know? uh, so the following day, it's Sunday and he's out walking with his five children and they're enjoying Canada Day celebrations and he heard fireworks. What came to his mind? Exactly. So he's gonna protect his five children, he's concerned. And this is what's evil about this, right? Everybody now is now thinking the worst. Toronto's an incredible city. We're internationally acclaimed on so many different levels, right? Whenever they do a survey, which city would you want to be in? You know, whether it's for health, whether it's for education, whether it's safety, whether it's investment. Guess where Toronto is? Toronto is always in the top 10. Yeah. If we're not in the top 10, we're surprised, yeah. right? Toronto is an incredible city, but we have a problem here brewing, and we're not addressing, and it's because the politicians have not seen it as a priority. So we've got to make sure it's a priority to them. The individual citizens of Toronto don't think that this violence is not going to impact you. It's just a matter of time if we continue this way. The individual citizens have to step up now. Demand for political accountability. But also, where you see somebody struggling, right? Every one of the shootings that has taken place, every one of the homicides, if you look at the trajectory of it, there was an intersection point, an intervention point. Whereas if somebody had done something different, said something different, or responded in a different way, that homicide could have been Prevented. We don't have a crystal ball, so I'm not going to tell you where. But even the even center shooting, there were intervention points where if some government agency or somebody had done something different, it didn't have to happen. So we take this on as a responsibility and we care. Like somebody got angry with me the other day because she said, Louis, you spoke for two hours about gun violence and you didn't, you didn't use the word love. Right? And I told her from now on, I will make sure. So we have to start loving it.
Well, you did it on the perfect platform, brother. <laughs> we have to start and caring again. So whether it's the school teacher, yeah. whether it's the police officer, whether it's the politician, I know that they've got their political agenda, but uh, we have a beef now going on between uh, the, the chief of, no, the, the, the president of the police association yes. and the mayor, Yes. right? Everybody's blaming each other. Yesterday, right? Yeah, I so I'm saying to myself, hold on a second. If they are beefing, amongst themselves. What type of confidence are we gonna have in them finding a solution? Imagine if the two of them came up together at a press conference and said, we're gonna to work together to find a solution for this. Yeah. Am I asking for something that's impossible? No. These are the leaders that we have running our city to deal with this problem in 2018, and they can't even come together and say we wanna find a solution yeah. instead of blaming and shaming each other, right? Everybody's got an excuse for what's going on. No, you come to the table, bring the chief of police, bring the president of the police association, bring the mayor of the city, bring these people together and say, we're gonna find a solution because this is unacceptable. And I'm not asking for the impossible. Zero gun violence is not impossible. It's not impossible to ask these politicians to do this. But if they're beefing amongst themselves, <laughs> what message are you telling, sending to the citizens of this great city? Everyone's trying to be politically correct. Everyone's trying to get the next vote. Everyone's just trying to keep their jobs. And that's why I also feel like maybe focusing on those efforts is a lot harder for me personally. Whereas I know that as an individual, if I can go out of my way to do something or, or, make, uh, or make some form of impact in the community, whatever the case is, I know that I would be much more encouraged to make those type of efforts than worry about Who's lying this time? You know what I mean? <laughs> just do something. Just, like, like, uh, we just need to take the initiative ourselves yes. and not wait. Because clearly the political leadership in the city is not ready to solve this problem. Right? Uh, they're blaming police, they're blaming politicians, they're blaming the communities, they're blaming individuals for not working with the police and stuff. Let's get together. So our challenge to the politicians at this particular time, and what can you do immediately? You need to bring the various stakeholders to the table yeah. uh, and ask them what has changed. And it includes music artists, it means social media experts, it means mental health practitioners, youth workers, right? it means educators, it means employers. The top 15 employers in the city of Toronto will not hire anybody with a criminal record. So somebody makes a mistake, they commit a crime, they get a criminal record, sorry for them if they want to change their life. Top 15 employers will not employ them. So what do you think they're gonna do? They're gonna go back into the same conditions that created that mess, and you're gonna ask them to smile? Yeah. Right? They're not gonna do it, right? So we need to bring all the stakeholders together. And John Tory again, I, I don't know where he's getting his counsel from. Yeah. He's having individual meetings with individual stakeholders. I'm saying no, bring them all to the table at one time. Let me learn what they're saying. Right? This is not divide and conquer. Yeah. That's what he's doing right now. Yeah. Right? We don't have time for that, Mr. Mayor. Right? We need to bring all the stakeholders to the table and say, what the F has changed? Yeah. What can I do immediately? Right? To interrupt this cycle of violence. And his strategy so far indicates clearly that it's reactionary, it's political, yeah. and it's not sincere. And that's not the type of leadership that we need at this time. And I don't think, again, in any part of history or society has uh, getting more guns on the streets to battle people who should not have the guns. That's never worked. Like, it's never happened. And we can take it to a whole larger scale, like somewhere in Syria, where every single day we're just witnessing people just killing each other. They're just killing each other. And that, again, that's, that's on a countrywide scale, but it starts from somewhere. It has to start from somewhere. And one of the narratives I'm talking about these days, if I can explain it. Yeah. We talk about you know, the economics of gun violence. And this is something that we're working on right now, but the concept is simple. Economics is about supply and demand. If there's demand, there will be a supply, right? Uh, so where is the demand for guns or the demand for violence coming from, right? It's about poverty, it's about unemployment, it's about living in communities where there's no hope and there's a lot of despair. So once you have that, there's a demand for violence because you have to be violent to survive, right? You have to get involved in bullying, stealing, 
gangs, drugs, and so on. Yep. That creates a demand for violence. And that demand for violence creates a demand for guns. That's the demand part of the equation. Simple. If that exists, there will be a supply. People will take risk to get guns to sell to you because there's such a high demand for guns. So people will go across the border yeah. knowing that they can spend $300, $400 on a gun and come up here and sell it for a thousand spot, right? So the demand creates by neglect, exclusion, unemployment and yeah. poverty, fuels the demand for violence and for guns. Once you have that high demand for guns, there will be a matching supply. That's simple economics, yeah. right? And that's what's happening right now. So people are coming, and there was a shipment the other day, and they, they, they stopped home, 75 yeah. guns came in over, right? Yeah. Someone was taking high risk to bring that device because they know that there's a demand for these guns. And that's so scary to know that now there's these high demands for guns in, again, a city which you never would have associated no. guns and Toronto just didn't go together. Like, yeah. sure, it happened uh, um, sporadically throughout the year. Yeah, I get it, but to be, for, again, I'm, I'm reading the news. This podcast is supposed to be a news podcast, but then like when you're reading 30 days in a row, 45 days in a row, 60 days in a row, just like, yeah, so this person got shot, this person got shot, and it's like, are you kidding me? All times of night, it's all so weird. And it's all, shot, all different places right? as well too. Like, like last year we had a situation where a girl was in, a, in the parking lot drive, riding her tricycle bicycle after school. And gunshots just flying. So she runs under the car for safety, right? Uh, in broad daylight. Yeah. Is it like, one, one kid, she told me the other day, she knows where it's safe to walk in her community. What she's actually telling me is she, she knows where it's not safe. Of course. These are children. Of course. Right? They're still in diapers. They've not experienced life. And this is what's on their mind. This is Toronto 2018. Yeah. We need to fix this. No, and you know, I think um, as a good way to almost get to the closure of this is at the end of the day, you know, for so long, even in my own life, um, before doing anything that I'm doing right now, it was always, I felt like society was always telling me about being independent and about me being a man and me uh, trying to conquer the world myself. And for the longest time, that, that is the mentality that I had, that I can do everything all by myself and I'm gonna do it no matter what anybody tells me, I don't care. Um, but what happened was something happened where um, I listened to somebody and they, they opened this concept of interdependency to me and to know that, you know, as much as you think you can make that difference and you can make that change, and I totally believe that individuals do have that power, we would be ignorant not to also see that, you know what, what if we combined our forces? Look, you need to nail right on it. It has to be a collaborative response. As I said, John Tory's response has been one-dimensional yes. to a ten-dimensional problem. He's not going to fix it unless he gets smart. It's about collaboration. It's about partnership. The educators alone can't solve this problem. The police alone can't solve this problem. The employers alone. Because most of these kids, even if you get them jobs, they're not going to last anyway. Right? Because they're not trained sure. to work in that environment. So the employers alone are not going to do it. Community workers alone are not going to be able to do it. But you bring them all together to the table, right? You'll find solutions. I That's still have confidence saying. and faith yeah. in the meeting of the minds, right? We want to live. Everybody wants to feel safe, right? Everybody wants to live a long life. But when you take that away from them, don't be surprised at what they will do, right? And that's where we are right now. If we don't realize that it's a collaborative response that is necessary, and the divide and conquer thing that uh, John Tory is practicing right now as mayor of the city, if he continues to do that, uh, we all are going to feel the pain. I, I believe it and I agree with it and, and again never more has the idea of community felt so important in my life personally and again I don't live in this area this does not affect my life whatsoever but I know how important it is and to me that's important so um, that's why I know I'm personally making this initiative and as, as a nice way to close this we're in a really unique facility right now and I've never been here before and it's called the Yushima House. And if you don't mind just briefly explaining what it is, because I have a good feeling you're gonna tell me something really nice that I didn't expect <laughs> about it. <laughs> uh, when I get invited to place, I never get to talk about good stuff. So here's an opportunity for yes. to do that. So thank you very much. Um, Yushima House was created after um, the year of the government. Yep when the government decided to infuse money into youth uh, 
development initiatives. So uh, the government uh, funded the birth of these uh, agents that were working with you, right? And this is the result of it. Uh, basically, it's for fathers that are disengaged, that are struggling to survive. How do we bring them together and uh, engage them in positive ways about finding solutions to their problems? So the space has been around uh, for a few years now. And uh, as you can see, you know, it's used for these type of activities. But in addition to that, fathers that are struggling, whether it's with custody, whether it's with employment, whether it's legal matters or whatever it is, they can come here and they can seek counsel. You know, Father's Day, this place is also an activity. Uh, a lot of community events take place here that focus on young men uh, because uh, the struggles that they are encountering is a different type of struggle. So uh, it's a safe place where they can come and engage with people that are willing to help, whether it's mentorship, whether it's programming, whether it's supports or whatever it is that happens in the space like this. I hear it's a wonderful kind in Canada. It is, uh, right? Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, so we know what we can do when we put our minds to it. Yeah. When we really want to find solutions, we can find them. I believe but, it. Uh, it's not going to be in the hands of politicians. As I said, the first word in community safety is community. So let's, let, let's, let, let's focus on that. I want to thank the Eugene House for hosting this for us today. I'm, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to do it. I want to thank you so much for your time today. It means a lot to me. And this is my own mission, so I know I'll do whatever I can to at least help spread this message and at yes. least spread the love because, again, that's what it comes down to. And what I think the thing that people forget about is like every problem. When you're on that path of, of solving the problem and you see even the slightest change in that positive, like you're gonna feel so good as a society and it's gonna make us wanna do more and we're gonna keep going. And it's just so sad that again, we keep going back to saying this is Toronto 2018. When I was a kid, my parents told me not to do something, I'd do it. Mm -hmm. I knew that if both my parents wanted me to not do something, they probably got a better chance at that happening. We're dealing with a problem here that like you said, no one's actually dealing with the problem here. They're just talking. So again, Coming together as a community, I think, uh, is the most important lesson in everything that we, we spoke about today. And I'm just so grateful that you gave me this opportunity no, no, to share no, that. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Uh, we've been working the streets for five years. Uh, we can do it. 100% can. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, I really hope you were able to take all of that in. There's never been an era in our history where major problems were solved by police or government, politicians. They've always been done by individuals. Martin Luther King was not a politician or a policeman. Gandhi was not a politician or a policeman. Nelson Mandela was initially not a politician or a policeman, although he did end up being one after the fact. This world will never get better if you think that other people are on a dire mission to also make it so. There has never been a point in time or a society or a country in which you can clearly look back on and say, wow, they had it right. No, that's literally never happened. And even today we see so-called leaders of countries and I can't help but to notice that the lack of words like peace and love just don't exist in their vocabulary. Everything is about money. And if you play the game of life where that is the only objective to accumulate mass amounts of money well of course crime in every way shape and form will exist it will never go away or get better in the long run but it's me guys it's one love podcast and no matter how much we get frustrated with all these actionable problems in our society there is still good and there is still hope and of course there's still love and we're going to remind ourselves of that with our daily thank you that's right we need to do this every single day now if this is your first time listening this is probably going to be awkward, but let's put some love and appreciation out into the world. And the good news is I'm going to go first so you don't have to. Today, I am grateful for the roof over my head and the food I have to eat. I'm so fortunate to have family, even though it's a messed up one. And I'm so blessed for my amazing listeners. 
I'm grateful to be able to wake up today and pursue whatever aspirations I desire and to be able to be kind to people without expectations in return. Thank you for today. That's it, guys. Now it's your turn. Please just tell yourself one or two things. Like, literally, you only got to say one or two words. It does not have to be as dramatic as mine. But whatever you feel you should be recognizing, whether you have kids you love, a significant other, maybe you absolutely love your job. But whatever it is, let's put it out in the world. Ready? You got five seconds. Today, I am grateful for... Amazing, guys. Today is going to be an incredible day. You, only you, you, only you. So, Toronto and friends from around the world, how you feeling today? Guys, I need to give a big shout out to Mr. Ed Go, who was gracious enough to allow me and the crew to set up the interview at Yujima House a couple days ago or a few days ago now. Yujima House is the first and only child-friendly space where young fathers can learn and bond with their children. It was designed to reflect the comfort and sensibilities needed to create an environment conductive to young men feeling at ease. Jesus Christ, why do we not have a hundred of these in our country? I've been in one. It can't possibly be expensive. You know, if I think about all the world's problems, I know I can get a hernia. But I have to believe that our strength as a community can prevail above and beyond all the crap we have to deal with. I always believe that actions speak louder than words, so while the rest of the media is just feeding anything for a rating... Actually, it may not even be doing that, but they are feeding you what I call easy news. It's not hard to do what they do. Give me the same amount of money they get paid and I can do the exact same thing. But at the end of the day, that's all they do. Talk. When was the last time a local radio station or TV station went out of their way to do something for their community? Honestly, locally, none that I know of. And we need to make a change. We need to get past this human nature of laziness because that's what differentiates things moving forward to things standing still or in the case of our new premier, who would have thought that we could actually move backwards? Guys, show some love. Show support. Be active members of your community and actually care. Not by typing it on Facebook, but by going into your community and just lending a helping hand. Or in some cases, it would be even more impactful if you lent a helping ear. Some people just want to talk and have someone care about what they have to say. I love you guys. Thank you so much for your attention today. I'm so glad you made it through. We skipped all the news, weather, and sports, but you guys can thank me for that. And just remember... You are not alone. Your smile, your actions, your efforts, they all give off some amazing energy to everyone around you. Put the love out there. Smile for no reason. Pay it forward. You never know how much of an impact you will have on someone's day, but I guarantee you it will be an impact nonetheless. Thank you. Thank you. Big shout out to my mom for giving birth to me. I love you, mom. And a shout out to freesfx.co for providing me with those awesome sound effects. If you have any questions and would like to comment on the show, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at One Love Podcast. That's at the number one, the word love, the word podcast. But reach out to us, show us some love, so show us some support. Guys, I'm so like excited with like love and like anger. Not anger, just like just a lot of emotions right now. Make contact with us. Reach out to us. We will do everything we can to get your message wherever it needs to go. And if you just want someone to talk to, there's only one podcast on this planet that will do it without judgment. That's us, baby. That's One Love Podcast. I'm leaving you off with some happy, upbeat music, so don't turn on that AM radio. Play your favorite song after and be happy, Toronto. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you guys on Monday. One Love. Downtown the snowy ground is all I can see I call this place my home, my wah-wah's ear
Different ways to say hello is not new to me. Making up the whole world all in one city. Even though it's cold outside, we know how to turn it up. Look at all those kids outside, but you couldn't guess now where they from. If you wanna be outside, lace them up, I'll show you where. Everyone's gonna meet tonight at Nathan Phillips Square. Look at the skyline. CN Tower so high and bright. You're welcome to stay. T Dot is my city and that won't ever change. Doesn't matter. Our city and that won't ever change. 